Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Chile Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Chile. Today's guest is a business owner based out of Seattle, Washington. He actually owns the, a cocktail bar located in uh, the Finney Ridge, uh, North Seattle area called uh, Oliver's Twist. Recently, when I visited in April, I had a chance to stop by finally and uh, go show support. And um, he blessed me with uh, a Khmer lunch. You know, that's the cool thing about Oliver's Twist. Uh, he's a cocktail bar, a little you know, hip neighborhood. And... Um, what makes them special is they uh they serve like authentic like Khmer food like the stuff that you I love growing up like taco and like stuffed chicken wings and it has a full menu but um without further ado here is Karuna Long uh, welcome to the podcast brother how are you man glad no, to man, finally no, no. uh have a face to face with you you know when I met you um we had masks on so I didn't <laughs> I didn't yeah. get to see your face but um. I just want to say thank you for like you know taking care of me and my friends, and um, I just wanted to like uh, learn more about you because I'm 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 originally from Seattle. My whole family's over there, and okay. um, I'm just kind of surprised like none of my friends told me about Oliver's Twist. You know, like yeah, yeah. I'm like yo, how uh, come nobody told me about this place? So I feel like yo, I want to use my platform, you know, and like uh, maybe I'm not the only one that don't know. Maybe some more my people need to go support too. You know, like. Yeah. I mean, mo- most of my friends in the South End, but like Seattle, just to uh, spread out. I think it's nothing to just hop in a car, take a twenty minute drive to North Seattle. It's like you know, you get anywhere in in any part of Seattle, but within twenty minutes, I'm like, yo, go go support, you know, Karuna and the the, the family business. You know, like yeah. I think it's important that we sh- we sh- we show we show up for you guys too. You know, yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, tell me tell me about yourself, like uh, a little bit of background info, where you're from and stuff. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I was born, um, I was born in Seattle actually, um, in 82. Um, my parents are both from Batambang. My parents, when they came to the States, um, my, they settled up in Seattle with my mom's side of the family down in like the Mount Baker neighborhood. Um, so I was born in Seattle. And then after a couple of years, my parents moved to Georgia cause my dad couldn't handle the, how cold it was up here. So mm-hmm. they moved out to down to, down to Atlanta to be with uh, my, my dad's side of the family. And uh, just kind of growing up, our dad was a, uh, he was a Khmer musician, uh, you know, trying to do his thing, coming back from the old country. Um, so he's trying to live out his Khmer rock dreams. And so he's playing, he's playing music in Atlanta. We went, we spent some time in Danbury, Connecticut, in Lowell, Massachusetts, and in Chicago. When I was like probably in first or second grade, we moved out to, to Long Beach where, you know, predominantly larger Khmer community. And at the time it was continuing to grow. So that was kind of a, area that we settled for the longest. Um, so yeah, uh, ju- junior high, high school, uh, post high school was all in Long Beach for the most part, you know, uh, ins and out of, outs of that, getting to all the trouble in the nineties back then. Um, and then, uh, moved back up here in 2010, uh, after a uh, little after my parents and my brothers moved up here in 2007. So it's, it's been nice coming back up home. Like this is the best homecoming I've had. I, I don't miss California. I miss the beaches. I miss, the larger Khmer community, but the Khmer community up here is continuing to show up and they're continuing to, you know, our generation, we're starting to kind of build our own community in a sense, you know, we cultivate mm-hmm. what the elders used to do for like for a white center. And even, even, even beyond, I feel, I feel like there's more cognizance and appreciation for our, our culture with our generation and the younger generation. Love to see it. And um, how many siblings do you have? Um, I have, uh, I always say I have two younger brothers, but I actually have um, three younger brothers. Uh, we have a, a half brother that just moved to the States two years ago. Uh, his name is Ratanat. So I got 
Ratana is my, my, my next oldest brother. And then Richie is third oldest. And then uh, Ratana is our half brother that just moved to the States. Yeah. You, you hear the name Richie, you don't think Kamai, but when I was in junior high, mm-hmm. I was, uh, uh, when I was in elementary school, I was fascinated by that movie, uh, La Bamba. La Bamba. With, with Richie That's a classic. Yeah. I love that movie, man. <laughs> La Bamba. So, sad. Dude. Yeah. In, in, in Long Beach, our mom called us and she's like, what do you want to name your brother? And I, I watched that movie like almost every single day and I, we named him Richie and he hates, he hates me for that Oh, one. really? <laughs> he's like, he's like, why can't I have a Kamai name, man? Oh, you wanted a Kamai name? Wow. Yeah. Usually, so, usually the opposite. Like, 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 cause like I have money is Ponit. Like my teacher used to butcher my name. Like, yeah. it'll be like Fanit when he take attendance. I'm like, damn it, it's yeah. Ponit. The H is silent, but yeah. Sometimes I wish I was like a Michael or something, you know, when I was a kid, <laughs> you know, cause I, I grew up yeah. like Michael Jackson, <laughs> Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson. So I was like, man, Fanit. I just that's just <laughs> my my name, but uh, like um, also that you mentioned uh, your dad was uh, in the music and stuff like that. I see that you know I saw your uh, Instagram. You 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 make music too. Like I see you singing, so that runs in the family. Yeah, I I used to do it a lot more when I was younger. Um, I, when I was in college, I was trying to trying to study. Uh, uh, I was studying trumpet and piano. I was trying to trying to be like the first Kamai jazz musician. You know what I mean? But didn't really didn't really do much because. You know, you know, when when you come from our our background, it's like we don't have the luxuries that you know the the, the general uh, like kids that are like a gangsaw like they they have. You know, they they got the luxury of if they fail, they fall back on their their family. You know, lifting them back up. For us, it's like man, we fail. Our our family's gonna struggle also. Yeah. So it's like I, I saw the struggles that my dad had with um our dad had with uh, music and how to like make a stable income. Um, and it was just kind of something that I, that put me through working odd jobs, like in my early twenties, I like, I'd work whatever job I could get just so I could support my free time to do music and all that. And now with, with the, with the bar and all that, I miss that aspect of my life, but I, I slowly find ways to like be creative again and try to make music, play the piano, play the guitar. That's dope. So were you like a self-taught with like the piano and guitar? <laughs> yeah. For the most part, like it's, it's weird uh, being that uh, our mom, she, uh, she she used to dance a uh, uh, and like uh, and and all that as well too, and she was a singer. Um, our parents didn't really want us to go down that path of like music and creativity because um, they saw how 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 hard the struggle was when it comes to making a stable living. So whenever I wanted to learn how to play instruments, our dad's like, I'm "Not going to teach you because if we if I teach you and you go down that path, I'm going to feel bad." So like I just started teaching myself. I started picking up the guitar when he wasn't licking and playing it and then started jumping on the, the, the keyboard and just learning it. And, and then it, it got to a point where when I was in high school, one of the, one of the band uh, directors, he also taught instruments classes. He, he caught, he caught wind of me playing the piano by ear one time during like a, a lunch break when I was, uh, I used to sing in choir. And so he'd hear me, he heard me and he's like, Hey, how about you come after school and I'll, t- I'll give you private lessons for free. It's like, he's like, you sound like you have a lot of potential and just that led to me pl- uh, playing the piano more rigorously and learning theory and all that. And then just becoming appreciative of that, that side. And, and then when my dad, when our dad started seeing my progression, he's like, Oh, okay, you really are my kid. But he's like, still <laughs> doesn't want me to learn right. instruments. Wow. That's, that's cool. Cause um, I was in choir too. And my parents actually made me quit choir. They said it was Adbanka, so I was kind of like, damn, my, my dreams were crushed. <laughs> <laughs> no man, I had to. It, it was it was almost like an ultimatum. Like, you know, we we tried to play. We played sports, and then when they were like, choose one or the other. I'm like, all right, um, I'm going to choose singing because you know, singing was just like a, an expression. 
So when did you uh, when did you open Oliver's Twist? Uh, so Oliver's Twist has actually been around since 2007. Um, when I moved back up in 2010, um, they'd already established themselves as one of the premier um, classic and craft cocktail bars. Um, they they're kind of one of the older originators of of that up in Seattle, along with um, some some other staples um, and. I bounced around in the industry up here when I moved back up um, as, as, as playing music again. And I was uh, kind of networking in the creative cir- circle. So then I got myself back into the bar, the bar scene and started making cocktails, um, getting myself back into the craft cocktail scene. And uh, that bar had always been one of my favorites. Um, and somehow just by happenstance, um, I was working at this other bar and Oliver's Twist's then bar manager, uh, Robert, he, he was patronizing the spot I was working at. And he's like, I could use someone like you at the bar. He's like, would you be down to work, uh, work, work with me part-time? I'm like, I don't want to work nights. I'm like, nights are when I get to go play music. Nights are when I get time off to go spend with the family and all that. Um, but you know, it, it, it had always been one of my favorite bars. So I, I went to go check it out again, revisit it. And I ended up, uh, picking up a couple shifts there. Um, and, uh, a couple shifts, uh, part-time and, uh, ended up being, um, just like I, started being uh, immersed in the community up there as well. And I just fell in love with the bar all over again. And when the owners were ready to retire and get out of the industry, um, they gave, uh, they gave the employees an opportunity to buy and the original bar manager was going to take over, but a bunch of things fell through for him financially. And I was like, you know, my plan was always to open up my own place. This is kind of a no brainer. Um, I know the community, I know this bar, I know the lay of the land. Um, and I've already built a foundation of my own following. So why not take over something that's already, uh, that's been a staple in this community? So then I took over in 20, 2016, 2017. And since then it's been, you know, it's been amazing. It's, I've learned a lot of, I've learned a, a great deal. There, there have been some time, more times that have kicked my ass than, than the W's, but you take that in stride, especially as, as Kamai people, man, you, you know, we always get knocked down, but I feel like we're one of the more resilient cultures that continues to strive for, for better. Yeah. So it took over in 2017 and, uh, right shortly after that in April, my, my mom and my brothers and I, we started doing this, uh, once, once a year, um, Kamaya pop-up, you know, doing like, what, what like plea, psycho, uh, stuffed wings, twako, such a cat. Um, oh, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, mom even brought like the roasted silkworms to oh, get wow. the neighborhood to try too. So, so, it, and it was so well received that fast forward and, and like now we're here and people always, people have been asking when we're going to do more pop-ups and then the pandemic kind of forced our hand and we're like, all right, let's, let's do this. So, um, thank you for sharing that story. Um, so what what made you like incorporate Khmer food onto your menu? Um, so it's almost a it's you know it's almost a parallel to just the the, the Khmer storyline and survival. I mean, the pandemic when it started, you know, most most bars and restaurants, food food operations, we we were we were screwed. I mean, we were trying to figure out how we we're going to make this work, and then more importantly, if you were a place that was like us, primarily a cocktail bar, trying to trying to figure out a way to navigate and pivot. It was so tough. Um, and in the, at that time, me along with a couple other um, bar owners and restaurant owners, we started writing um, to to the state legislators trying to get them to legalize to go cocktails. Um, but during that waiting period, um, there was just like 
all this all this time we're just like okay we got to figure out a way to generate revenue to keep this place afloat and the community rallied we start we started a gofundme with like tiered prizes to incentivize people to donate instead of just you know just asking for a handout we uh, we figure out ways to like ask for donations in exchange for like you know future events this and that a private dinner with me and my family etc when the pandemic's over um and the community really rallied we we we, we rallied enough uh funding to keep us going through the first three months of the pandemic. And then um, we're just like, my, I just sat down with my brothers and my mom. We're like, you know, the, the pop-ups have been successful. We've had lines up, up and around the block every time we've done it. We're like, let's give it a go. Worst case scenario is it doesn't work and we're back to this situation. But man, it's, it's the, it's the sole reason why we're still here today is because of the Khmer food and the way the community has embraced it. Wow. So, um, that's good that the community like go hard for you guys and Oliver's Twisted. Just a, I love that. I love that that you guys are like a staple in that neighborhood and um yeah. And then adding Khmer food and and like the people's response to the Khmer food is is pretty good. Like what's like yo? What's your what's the what's the crowd favorite that people like to order? You know, in the beginning, uh, we started off safe doing a. Uh like the vermicelli, the cold vermicelli noodles and all that. Cause you know, it's like, come I got you in and stuff, mm. but um, it's like, we, we tried to figure out a way to, to make it more easy to introduce um, because, you know, we're in a predominantly a Gangsa neighborhood. It's like, it's like some, some, most of them don't even know what Khmer food is or how it's represented. So to, 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 to my brothers and my mom and I, I was like, let's, let's choose some of the things that are a little easier to segue. Um, and then um, slowly bring other items that we traditionally care about. And so, you know, like the salah curry, uh, the anything with, you know, krum, like uh, we want to do such a cut, but we don't have an open flame. So we did short ribs because it's easier to reverse here and torch it. Mm. And then uh, the, 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 the stuffed wings. I mean, those, those were some of the staples that killed it from the beginning. Um, when folks, when we were able to put twaco on, everyone's like, man, this is better than longanisa. Like <laughs> even, yeah, one of the homies, uh, uh, he, that helps out. He's a, uh, he's Filipino and, and he kept raving about that and taking it back home to his mom down in Kent. And his like, his mom's like, we can make this. And he's like, no, like, this is better. It's not sweet. Like Longanisa. And he, he was, he, that was like a death sentence for him. Like he, <laughs> he really wanted to get killed by his mom. Wow. Yeah. But, um, um, everything's been well received. I mean, for, for the most part, we can't complain. And then the second we put Salam with you crew on, uh, folks loved it. And then we put, when we put the Nopachok on for new year's, everyone uh, like, man, just seeing, seeing that reception. And next, you know, I want, I want to put some more classics like, you know, uh, and Setko, and all that. Ooh. I mean, and maybe, maybe do uh, at some point. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I, 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 I don't that. really get down with my brothers do, but <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, are you glad you guys like uh, took that risk and just went against the grain and in like a hipster neighborhood and just uh, just believing in your gut instinct? Because I, I think that sometimes you have to take that risk because I feel like my food should just should be. I think I hope one day it'll be just as popular as like Thai or Vietnamese food. I, I, yeah, you know I think we have really good food, different different flavor, similar to Vietnam and Laos and stuff. But I, I feel like I always feel like with the underdogs, like my food need to yeah. be out there. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. I think that's that's one of the things why I fight so hard with our with our cuisine and our culture is um is a uh, especially being in a predominantly Kansas neighborhood. It's like it's like you 
you try so hard to advocate for the history and the culture. And a lot of, to me, a lot of, a lot of folks don't necessarily know what, what Cambodian culture is all about, or even the Khmer empire. Like, you know, they, 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 they can't even, they don't, they can't even wrap their heads around the history of that. Like, like the fact that, you know, it once was a vast empire in most of, most of Asia, all the way to, to the Southern part of China. It's like, people don't understand that we're, our culture is rich in history. And, and that's what, that's one thing when people are like, Oh, how do you describe Khmer food? It's like, is it like Vietnamese food? Is it like Thai food? Yeah, it is. But we, we also are heavily influenced by, uh, by, like the spice trade, most of our stuff is heavily influenced by 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 Indian spices during during the spice trade. Whereas, like you know, Thai, uh, Thai, uh, Thai cuisine and uh, Vietnamese cuisine isn't necessarily. What are like some of the challenges of running like a cocktail bar in a restaurant? Uh, the biggest challenge um, pre-pandemic was uh, keeping the. Uh, j- being as small as uh, of a space that we have and having such a limited kitchen, it was generating um, the revenue in the food side to keep up with the revenue in the cocktail side. I mean, um, it, any 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 full service spot that offers food and cocktails, or even beer and uh, beer and food, it's like you want there to be a, a, a balance. Um, and that cocktail bar, the restrictions are so monumental in the kitchen because it's like you're, we're running off of two hot plates an induction oven and like a little small salad, like a little small um, deli fridge. So it's like trying to pump all this stuff out uh, during normal service pre-pandemic would be unfathomable with a uh, Khmer food. That's why before we did small bar bites, like, you know, bacon stuff, dates, popcorn, grilled cheese and stuff, because it's easy, simple uh, American food that can go well with cocktails. But, um, what what's what's uh, allowed me to rethink everything is um during the pandemic you know in the beginning it was a it was a shit show trying to figure out how to cook all this stuff in the beginning and make it work in this tiny kitchen but as the as we got deeper into the pandemic and closure and continuing the takeout and finding what works in the beginning it was like people would pick a food and they'd be waiting outside for 30 45 minutes for their food and we'd feel horrible and shit but um, excuse my language um no it's all good it's a- but uh but uh, yeah, and then it got to a point where now we're like, on a, on a, we're on the dot when people are trying to pick up. Like we figured out a system, and that's only allowed us to figure out a system more when we reopen back up for dining. Because now we're like, okay, we don't need this, we don't need that. We can streamline it this way, and um, it's really it's made it a lot easier. Um, and I'm excited for when we reopen for dining because uh, we could finally see how well we could execute this in a larger capacity in a larger format when folks are dining in as opposed to just takeout. There's kind of like a safety net with takeout. You know, you don't have to worry about people that are sitting there that are like on wits and they're about to get pissed off because <laughs> they've been sitting there for 45 minutes right. for their food or their drinks aren't like, you know, so I'm excited to see what this, what's going to happen in the next few months, you know, when we reopen back up with the patio coming up this next week and all that. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. And, uh, um, the the bar itself looks uh, from out from walking outside. It looks it looks pretty cozy. Um, you said there's gonna be a patio area. Does, is there like a backyard or something? Or no? Or so like you a, know when uh, when you came to pick up um, that that parking space right in the in front. I'm building out a patio right in that uh, in the adjacent parking spaces right in front there. Oh wow, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, so it'll be like a street cafe also. 
um, it's going to be popping. <laughs> yeah. You said in a few months, so will it be ready by summer or are you talking fall? Um, so the, pa- the patio should be ready, if not this weekend, the weekend after. Mm. Um, and then uh, reopening for dine-in should follow a week or two after that also. Just trying to like take it one step at a time so we're not completely overwhelmed, you know what I mean? Awesome. So is uh, Seattle, are you guys... Uh, getting ready to open up too like i think when i was visiting uh, it you guys went down to like phase back phase two or something how yeah. was the situation like now has it gotten better um there the projection is a full full reopening by the end of june so we'll see how that goes i mean as long as they're they're the idiots out there anything could happen you know what i mean yeah. the people that don't want to get vaxxed and all that mm-hmm. no offense to anyone that doesn't want to get vaxxed but you should get vaxxed yeah yeah i got mine <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I hate needles and I got vaxxed yeah man I feel like yo if if a shot can keep me like you know like if I, you know you can still get it but like if it can keep me from actually dying yo give me that vax give me that shot you know like, yeah and especially you know especially we we see you know all of our friends uh, you know parents yays aunties um, uncles dads and all that passing away because of this man mm, you real. do it for each other yeah we're already marginalized to begin with that's, that's right and I see a lot of good press on on you and Oliver's twist and on a few interviews like uh, how does it feel to be like loved and respected by by the community and get all that recognition you know um you know in the beginning it was it, it was it, it it was definitely um you know it's really flattering um but to me it's it's more like those compl- those interviews and those compliments like, I think anytime it showcases um everything that I'm doing with Oliver Swiss, to me, I take it as an ode to, to my mom, an ode to all, all of our parents that, you know, came from South Carolina and said like, they're, that are trying to do this. Like uh, to me, that is the biggest compliment, like getting recognition, me getting recognition to me is symbolic of our culture getting recognition because if, whether it be me getting recognition or, um, or Ming Tiri down at, uh, down in Tequila or, or you know, the, uh, the Ung sisters at Pumpe Nuda house, like anyone getting recognition in the quiet, uh, in the Kamai scene, I, I mean, uh, it, it goes a long way, you know, with, you know, with King Connie Kamai, with, uh, with Buntai and all that, what they're doing, yeah. uh, with the community center and all that down at White Center. It's like, I think that that kind of press, it, it definitely makes a person feel good, but, it makes me feel a lot better knowing that we're slowly getting recognition for our cuisine. We're, we're creating a way to create dialogue with people that aren't Khmer to understand what's going on. And also to know for, for people to know that we are accessible, like in these different neighborhoods, if you just take the time to explore it. Yeah, shout out to them, like a uh, house. They've been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they've gone through, they've gone through a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually uh, had um, the food tour with the uh, Big Noodle House and and uh, Oliver Swiss, so that was cool to actually like visit their their new spot, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. good food. And um, I meant to go also visit uh, Terry's too, but I it, my schedule didn't work out as planned. But uh, hopefully next yeah. time when I visit, I'm gonna definitely make you guys like part of my 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 pit style. You know, definitely want to visit yeah. and just sit down and chill and chop it up with you and your family. Yeah, that sounds good. <clears throat> so, uh, million dollar question. What's what's your favorite Khmer food? Oh, Personal. man. All time. Definitely Salamachu Kruim. 
Um, you know, as much as I, I try, I try not to eat a lot of red meat anymore. I'm always, I'm always down with them. Um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that growing up, I didn't like brahok I didn't want to try it. It's, it's kind of weird. Like I'll eat the brahok as a kid, but the idea of brahok I just thought that it was just so like straight brahok. Yeah. And, but I didn't realize, man, it's literally almost like, like my bolognese, man. But yeah. you just dip it with veggies it's and all really that. really good. Like, I think I'm the it's same. So I, I think it, I, it became an acquired taste as I grew older. Like, I don't think I liked it as a kid either, but now I love it with the veggies and the, what's it called? The throp, you know. Oh, yeah. The eggplants. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Okay, uh, do you think my my cuisine will become more popular, like, all across the nation? It, um, I think that I, I think that it will. I feel like there's a there's a new golden age coming for Khmer food and Khmer culture in general. I think as as far as um, with with everything that's going on, the recognition that's happening, um, you know, starting off with um, with Nyambai in uh, in uh, in San Francisco in the in Oakland, mm. and then um, Ethan Lim spot out in Chicago, and then uh, there's a couple sandwich shops out in uh, in um, in New York. Yeah, it's a you whole know, bunch of uh, franchise now. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the more the more we're able to to grow the culture and the cuisine in a way where we start um, getting recognized by um, by um, the the white demographic, uh, the Caucasian demographic. I think that that goes a long way because you know they accept they they accept. Vietnamese cuisine and Thai cuisine so 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 heavily, but it's like there's never been there's there isn't a lot of a lot of accessibility to Khmer food in most places in the U.S. unless you're in Long Beach, unless you're in Lowell, um, or now Seattle to see or even Minnesota. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like I think that it starts with accessibility, and I think that's why it was important for me to figure out a way to make Oliver's Twist a, a, a place that serves Khmer food too, because it bridges this gap between South Seattle. And the accessible accessibility down there versus the north side. Dope. Um, do you guys remember like the bite of Seattle? Does that still happen? Like, it's like- it, um, uh, I think it's been postponed since uh, pandemic started. But I I would assume that once things get back to normal, it's going to come back around. And would you guys participate in something like that? Uh, maybe like get the Khmer food out there, or at least beef sticks or something that you know get the yeah get it rolling out there. I think I think beef sticks would be a hit. Don't matter. Yeah, I mean, who you are, you'll, yeah, you'll love it. Yes, I mean, <laughs> such, yeah, such a cut will definitely be a hit. Um, um, if if the opportunity presents itself, um, I'd, I'd definitely be down with that. Um, you know, any any way that we could continue to create dialogue. There's a uh, there's a brother that um, that's um, operating his own little small um, small business called Ambitious Kitchen, and um, he did buy to Seattle. I feel like two or three years ago, and you know, to see other Khmer folks, especially our generation, do it. I mean, like I said, it, you, you just want to root for each other because I'm so yeah. used to to when I was growing up in Long Beach, like seeing kind of seeing the older generation be the opposite. It's like they they feel like they're competing with each other. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that's I think that's what's kept our culture from growing the way Vietnamese and Thai cultures grown in the U.S. is like you feel like you're all like the older generations felt like they've been competing with each other. So you you know you knock each other down because you're trying to get ahead. Right. But I feel like it starts with our generation, you know, trying to lift each other up and like, 
refraining from doing making the same mistakes that our elders did that want, that are trying to be successful because it's like one person being successful is all of us being successful. I agree. Yeah, shout out to everybody that's um, trying to make it with whatever they got, you know. Yeah. Whatever product, whatever. You know, the more the merrier, I feel, you know. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And also, I like what you stand for. Like, um, you do a lot of work in the community, you, you know, like uh, a lot of social justice stuff. And, you know, how, how important is it to you that we, we stand with, like, you know, humanity, like, uh, you know, like for our black brothers and sisters and our Asian folks and yeah. everything that's going on, that's crazy stuff that's going on in the world right now, man. It's so hard to digest. I mean, I'm like, damn. It is. How- and it's, it's, to me, I think that what's, I think what makes me try to be vocal about all that is, um, you know, it comes with, it, it goes back to our background, our experience, and then hearing the stories about from our parents, from our grandparents, if we're, you know, if, if some of us are fortunate enough to, even have both grandparents survive the killing fields and all that. Like I never knew any of my grandfathers, but hearing the stories from all my yays and, you know, uh, uh, like uh, yay ohms and stuff like it it goes a long way. And uh, I've been, I've been fortunate to have, uh, you know, our our mom growing up, she, she let me be the idiot that I was um, at times, you know, making all my mistakes, but at the time and the other times where I was, I was, trying to seek what I wanted to be the person I wanted to grow up to be. She's, she was supportive of that. Like seeing all this, seeing all this stuff going on again, uh, in, uh, or not again, but just continue in Palestine breaks my heart. Cause when I was 21 to 23, 24, I was, I converted to Islam for a few years and like being immersed around that community. Like you, you hear about all the stuff that goes on and it's like, seeing what's going on in, uh, in Palestine continues to remind me of like what our parents went through with, uh, the, with the Khmer, uh, Khmer Rouge and all that, and, you know, with our black brothers and sisters, it's like that, sh- that story never fucking changes. It's like it, no matter how many times the story's told, you never get enough listeners. You never get enough people to, to heed the warnings that lead up to these things that continue to happen. And it's like, I think more so like, you know, you grew up in South Seattle. Um, I spent a lot of my my earlier years in Long Beach. And it's like you know, when you're surrounded by uh, neighbors and uh, friends that are that are black and brown and all that, like you know, there's there's this inclusion that you you grow up to have um, this inclusivity. And it's like some people that aren't grow- that that aren't raised around that. Sometimes it takes them a lot a lot longer to understand what you go what you've gone through with your fellow br- uh, black and brown brothers and sisters. A good answer. <laughs> okay, Karuna, thank you so much for uh, chopping it up with me and um, sharing your story. Um, are there any uh, last words or uh, shout outs you want to give? I mean, I just want to give a shout out to every every person trying to you know represent the culture, um, especially the younger generation. Um, just keep up the hustle and, and keep lifting one another up. You know, let's let's be a little different from. The older generation and let's not tear each other down and let's continue advocating for everyone else that's continuing to fight the fight as well i love it i agree support each other we all we got we all we need and um yo karuna i'm definitely gonna stop by every time i visit and um look forward to uh seeing you grow and um seeing you do good things for the community 
and I'm gonna tell all my friends about you guys. <laughs> Yo, right. you I guys gotta it. go up north, man. <laughs> it's a trek, but it's not that far. <laughs> it's not that far, no. you know. Yeah, and you know, if if they're if they're Kamai, tell them let, let tell them to holler at me. Uh, I, I always want to meet other Kamai folks in the community as well, too. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, you met my sisters. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, your sisters are awesome. Did they did you just pop out of nowhere, or they just? Uh, I think my sister used to live in North Seattle, so she probably know of your bar. I don't know how. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She said she said she and her partner had been there a couple of times, but she didn't know that um, we were serving Khmer food until you had mentioned it. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, cool. You got uh, lifelong customers in us in my family, so. Oh, thank anything, you, brother. So, all right, thank you for your time and um, and all that good stuff.